Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be revising the NBA's rookie ladder and I'm also going to be giving more news on Thunder signee Gabriel Deck. But before I get into all of that, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has been listening. We have had a strong core of listeners for a while now. You guys know who you are and it has just continued to grow. You know, more and more you guys have started joining on to listen means the world to me. You know, whenever I first started doing this, really just um, out of a passion and now it's just grown into something that's awesome. Always look forward to recording one of these every single day and it's great seeing kind of the reception I'm getting from some of you guys for uh for the uh episodes so if you guys you know want to contact me at all on potential stories all that you already know where to find me you just got to click on my name in the description it will take you to my twitter and you can kind of shoot me whatever message you want but yeah really appreciate it I mean this past week largest audience growth I think since I started last year and I think it's the largest weekly uh, views we've had so far and we still got a couple more days to go until we close it out so pretty wild stuff but yeah I just want to say a big thank you to you guys but heading into kind of just the thunder stuff you know I talked really for the past like three to five days almost it's been a long time I've been talking about this but I've been talking about the NBA's rookie ladder and they posted this Last Wednesday, this is a weekly article that NBA.com kind of shoots out there, and it just ranks 1 through 10 top rookies in the league. And since they posted on Wednesday mornings, you're really just assessing things that start, I guess, end on Tuesday. So we're pretty close to that seven-day mark. If I could, I would do it tomorrow, but we do have a game tomorrow, so I decided, you know what, maybe I'll just do the latter for today's episode so numbers will be a bit off because there is another game for the majority of these teams and players that I have listed so keep that in mind but I just kind of wanted to check back up on how the rookie ladder looked last week and kind of where I think it would shape up based off the five days we have seen from some of these players and I decided to pick not just out of the pool of 11 guys that they had last week because they had 1 through 10, and then 10 was a tie. We saw Teo snag a 10 spot. Same goes with Chumo Kiki from the Magic. So there are 11 guys, but I also kind of wanted to add some people who have done really well in the course of the week, like Alexei Pokashevsky and Isaac Okoro from the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I was looking at 13 guys when I was kind of assembling this. When you look at how the NBA com website ranked these guys last week. Anthony Edwards was number one. Halliburton was number two. Jay Sean Tate, number three. Sadiq Bay from the Pistons, number four. Emmanuel Quickly at five. LaMelo Ball at six. Desmond Bain at seven. James Wiseman at eight. Patrick Williams at ninth. And then you had that tiebreaker between Okiki and Teo Maladone. So just looking at how it was last week, I do think that there was a bit of a shortage when it came to Teo as well as Poku because that was the week where Teo dropped 33 points in a game. This may have also just been right in the um, right in the segment where they both dropped 25 points as well too. So a little bit shorthanded there, but you know I'm not all that mad because I do think they're gonna climb. 
But when you look at that list, there's two people that are just going to pop right out to you. And it's the second and third pick in this past draft. James Wiseman, he's done for the remainder of the regular season. He suffered an injury, I believe, yesterday with a torn meniscus injury. So he's out. He's done. And the mellow ball, he has been out for the past couple of weeks with a wrist injury. And we already know that he's gone. So those are two guys that they just don't have any more stats to log. And in my opinion, if I was riding like a rookie ladder, such as this one, I actually probably would not move LaMelo because of how well he was playing in the beginning of the season with Wiseman. You can kind of move them. But the way that they've kind of been shifting around LaMelo kind of makes me think he'd drop in the next rendition of this. And then same goes for James Wiseman. Like he could completely be off the board now that he's not going to be able to keep playing because in the last one, one of the key notes with him was he has not been efficient. He has not looked good. Pretty much he was just hanging on by a string in terms of being in that top 10. So I think he'd almost fall out if um, if you're not looking at falling out, probably 10th, but he's sliding. LaMelo, if I was doing it, like I said, I probably wouldn't even move him down as low as six, but maybe he kind of continues to fall. So those are two guys that you kind of set the table with and two openings that you kind of have for guys like Teo and guys like Alexei Pokushevsky. So when you want to look at how they've kind of been rating the rookie ladder, they kind of put a lot of emphasis into what they do in the set week. And it makes sense why they always, you know, whether it's ESPN, Fox Sports, um, you know, NBA.com even, they kind of just want to ride the waves of of trends. And whenever there's someone going off, torching players for three straight 20-plus point games, they're going to get thrown on that board outside of Alexei Pokashevsky for whatever reason. But that's kind of how it's been. Like, the movement on the rookie ladder has been insane all season long, and I, I don't think it, that would change heading into the, uh, the Wednesday upload that they're going to do but when you just check at positioning here Anthony Edwards is not going to move he has become the clear-cut front runner in the rookie of the year race there's no one even close to him in terms of numbers LaMelo Ball's kind of there but with not enough sample size he's not gonna be able to get the award I think Anthony Edwards has really just cemented himself he's averaging close to 18 points four rebounds and three assists while shooting 40% from the floor and 31% from three. And in the past week, he's done even better than that. Had 22 points, five rebounds, and 3.3 assists. Going 49% from the floor and 38% from three. So he's been doing it all. He's not going to move from that number one spot. And that is a set guarantee. And if I didn't already mention this, whenever I'm talking about the weekly stats... It's going to be the last three games because there's been fluctuation in team schedules. You guys know some teams play as low as three games in a week, and sometimes you see people play like five games. So it's a bit different. I think Halliburton was one of the players who has only docked two games this week, but I didn't want to really lower him down. So give him that third game. I think it kind of sets in uh, an equal playing field for everybody. So when you look at Halliburton, He's at the number two spot, did not have the greatest week. In the last three games, averaged just 11 points, one rebound, and five assists while shooting 39% from the field and 29% from three. 
from three. So he's not safe at that number two spot. And I think Teo and Poku have looked great. They're not going to hopscotch that high in the rankings, especially when they just got there and Poku hasn't even been on the board yet. So they got a lot of work to do. They're not going to jump a guy like Halliburton who has had a decorated season thus far. I think a name you could potentially look for is someone like Sadiq Bey. He has just been great with the Detroit Pistons really for, for like all month since the uh, All-Star break. He's looked spectacular. Average 17 points a game, four rebounds and a, an assist in the last three. So he could potentially move up there. But you're kind of looking at a top three of Edwards, Bay, and Halliburton. That's a lock. I can almost guarantee that. And then you go from four to 10. And that's where there's potential for guys like Teo and guys like Pokashevsky. And out of the guys I have not listed, when you're looking at the week, Maladone is the clear-cut number one player out of that grouping. Last three games has averaged 15.7 points, three rebounds, and 4.7 assists. And if you want to go up for the whole month of April, that's going to skyrocket as well. So he has been on a tear, and with shooting numbers, 39% from the floor, and 30% from three, not doing that bad in that regard either. So you would think he'd be able to shoot up. He's got to shoot up a couple spots, right? And the competition you see really for the four and five are going to be him, Jay Sean Tate, and Emmanuel Quickly. I would like to imagine Quickly's averaged 9.3 points in the week, and Tate has averaged 11 points and a little bit over five rebounds. But I like Maladon there. And it's me being super biased. If I was constructing the list, personally, I'd probably have Maladon in the top five. Number four seems really good to me because Quickly and Tate have kind of been playing up and down. Tate's been solid, but he hasn't kind of just went out of nowhere, gone crazy like Maladon has. So I like Maladon at four. But in all reality, we know how these lists work. You're likely going to see someone like Tate probably still sliding at four and then you might see Teo get number five and quickly at six, but that's a little bit rough. I still think Maladon is way better than them, at least um, in what they've been doing in um, in close proximity. And then with, same with Poku. Like Poku, he's been averaging 11.7 points, six rebounds, and 2.3 assists in his last three games, and he shot 43% and 45% from downtown. And the reason you see the numbers kind of bit like lower than what I've been used to telling you guys, it's because of the last game completely sandbagged everything that was going for him. If you take out the last game where he was already injured going into it, he'd be averaging 17.5 points and eight rebounds across the last two games. And that would already move him up on the board. So with my instinctive bias, like I talked about, Maladon would be at four, Poku would probably be at five, just based off of all that, but I don't really know if that's in the equation, especially if Poku's just not going to play tomorrow, and that's something you still need to factor in, like if one of these guys goes off for 35, hey, don't go pointing fingers at me because I'm recording this on Monday, we still got Monday's games and Tuesday's games as well, so there's two days for some of these people to kind of prove themselves and improve their stock but as I'm recording this I genuinely feel like Maladon and Poku have been top five rookies in the last week and really in the whole month of April they have been the two just shooting stars 
of the roster. But yeah, I think with that all the way, like that's that's kind of the basis of what I'm judging things off of. Really, just how they've done in the week, and I'd say Teo, Poku have been really amazing. But just looking at the other guys that they would have to beat out in order to slide up, you're talking about guys like I talked about with Tate, quickly, Desmond Bain, James Wiseman, who he did have a pretty solid week, averaged 12 points and six rebounds, but with the injury, that's gonna definitely just kill whatever mojo he had going on on the board and then you had guys like Patrick Williams and Chumo Kiki I'm telling you right now those guys probably are not even going to be on the list because of what they did in the week Patrick Williams only averaged five points 3.3 rebounds and 0.3 assists in his games and Chuma Okiki seven points four and a half rebounds and four assists so a bit more of an even coat I guess you could still make a case for him because of how well-rounded his game has been but I'm not buying it you know he got on the board to begin with because he averaged 16 points last week he's got to continue those numbers to stay on so I don't see him kind of staying in rhythm give me Maladone over all of those guys that I listed Poku you probably just put him smack dab in the middle but my expectation leading into the new article from NBA.com I want to see Maladone in the top five because he has deserved it. He deserves to have that big of a jump based on what he's been doing. And when it comes to Poku, like, I'm going to be real. I'm probably being super biased whenever I'm talking about how high he should be. He's not going to be probably that high if he makes it. I'd say, like, 8 to 10 is that sweet spot damn near. Because when you look at his, like, whole entire season... It's really not all that good. Like, he has not been able to shoot the ball that well. Shot 33% from the field and 29% from three. So, that's a big blemish you kind of got to go over anyways. So, I don't think they give it anything to him. And then you got a guy like Isaac Okoro that I was talking about who got snubbed last week as well. He's looked good this week. Averaged 12 points, three rebounds, and three assists. And also defensively has been very dominant. So, he'd probably go over Poku almost but that's just my kind of feeler maybe I'll do a bit of an update tomorrow on if anything changes from the games but as I talked about I really do think Maladone would be in that top five and then Poku he'd slip in somewhere from the eight to ten spot but moving on into my next story for the day I'm going to be talking about Gabriel Deck once again and this is a guy that has been linked to the Thunder since last week. We talked about him, I believe, last Friday. I guess I would have uploaded it on Saturday. But last week, told you guys about the deal, the signing of him. We did not have the clarification of his terms to the contract back then. All we really could base things off of was a report from Chema De Lucas, and then also Shams. He kind of reiterated what he said, and said, yeah, Gabriel Deck is going to be coming over. And then there was just widespread speculation on what would go down. It, I think it was mocked that there was it was going to be a three-year deal um, with about $4 million involved. And that just simply was not true, um, as we now know. And this is a story that actually got broken by another Oklahoma City podcaster and Andrew Schlecht. Uh, he does down a dunk for the athletic. Highly recommend it. But yeah, I mean, he actually broke the news. I know that he was actually in contact with Chema 
De Lucas last week. I know they hopped on a podcast together, so maybe he got some of that information from him, but I cannot be sure on that. Anyways, he kind of spilled the beans on what the deal was actually. It's going to be a four-year deal that is up to $14.5 million. But here is the kicker. He is only guaranteed for the first year of his contract. Years two, three, and four, nothing is guaranteed for him. And you have a team option. Was not clarified what year it would be, but I would assume it would be a fourth year team option. So anyways, we add him on at 26 years old. Kind of just toss him in, see what he can do for us. For the price, not all that bad. That's a real budget option considering what you know currently some of these veterans are getting they're getting way more than um than what deck is getting i think average that that out it's like less than four million dollars so pretty wild that we snagged him for that low of an amount and then on top of it like if the thunder want to go a different direction with him it's not going to give you you know 14 plus million dollar investment i mean we can just cut ties with him and settle our losses before going in the eight digit margin you know he is going to be guaranteed for the first year it is going to be worth 3.87 million dollars but as i talked about that could that could be that he could just get his 3.87 and then go out the door i don't really expect that because of us like acquiring him from overseas seemed like he actually had a market i know chama de lucas talked about the clippers being interested and then last season there were multiple teams as well kind of interested but we didn't get specific names on which franchises that were but he had a market so for the thunder to make a play on him i would assume that this isn't just going to be a little tryout because this is a very expensive tryout if that were to be the case but yeah he's going to get added on and just one little specifics with this deal that honestly for the the casual perspective doesn't really mean much when i'm reading this it's not you know glaring to me because i'm not the one kind of writing out the checks to players but because of this move they now are going to reach the salary floor and if you guys don't know what that is it's pretty much like a minimum and for teams they have their salary cap and the rule is at least 90 percent of their salary cap has to go towards player salaries and if they don't reach that they get a little bit of a punishment. It's really not that bad, though. All it is is that remaining money that you have left over gets split up equally with your whole entire roster. So, you know, if we didn't fill in that 3.87 mil, you just dice it up by 15 and you call it there. I don't know if you do it with two-way players. Uh, maybe. But, yeah, you get my point. You just kind of divide it up evenly and that's that you're gonna pay that same amount of money regardless so i guess the mindset that presti had here was hey you know this is kind of some money that we're gonna have to spend anyway let's not make it dead money let's get somebody with real talent who we can bring in who might actually live up to that contract and by the end of it actually be on a steal and this is a pretty good um low risk high return deal you got here with a guy like Gabriel Deck because hell he's already 26 years old when he's done with his contract he's gonna be 29 if he finishes that that's like his prime and he's a great playing in the Euro League with Real Madrid he looked amazing when playing in Argentina 
probably has a whole trophy room due to his accolades there. Got three uh, trophies from the finals with uh, the LMB. That is the Premier League in Argentina. And then he also got finals MVP twice out of those three championships. And to top it all off, he was the league MVP back in 2018. So he comes in with a lot of ammunition and a lot of room to grow for us. And this is something that I kind of talked about in the original signing deal. But he kind of fits exactly what we need. At six foot eight, he is yet another playmaker you just tack right onto the roster and see how he fills out with our group of guys. We have had a huge line of new like European guys and just point forward guys that we have just thrusted out there and seen what they have been able to do. And for the most part, I would say every single one of those attempts have been a success. You're talking guys like Teo Maladon as a playmaker. He's been great. Alexei Pogoshevsky, he's had a lot of hiccups, but I think it's been a net positive for him. Also, Baisley as a point forward had hiccups, been a net positive though. And even players like Isaiah Roby and Josh Hall. I think Hall maybe has been a little bit rusty. He hasn't really had a lot of on-court experience. But Isaiah Roby, he's got it just completely broken out. I mean, I did not see him as a ball handler at all entering this season. I didn't even think he would be on the final 15-man roster, to be quite honest with you. But look at where he is right now. He's able to handle it. And I think kind of the vision that is being formed is you want to have positionless basketball. You want to have everybody one through five being able to distribute at a high level and create good looks. And not only that, you want to be able to hit from the perimeter at a high clip. That is exactly what Gabriel Deck does for you as he shot 36.5% with Real Madrid during the regular season. So he kind of gives you exactly what you need. And he's kind of known for doing a little bit of no-look passes, likes doing the jump passes, the tap passes. That's really what the Poku special looks like when you look at his old tape. That's really what that is. So he brings that in a lot older than Poku, though. And you may say, you know, is he already at his ceiling? Let's be real. We don't even know what his ceiling would be in the NBA because, as I also talked about in my last podcast uh, about Deck, like the difference between EuroLeague basketball and the NBA is really different. And the NBA is probably a lot easier when it comes to being able to score on the offensive end. Pace is so much faster. You get so many more shots up. You got a bigger court to work with. And then with the defensive three second violations, the paint is almost always open. So you get cavities in the defense and you're either going to be able to ISO just slam dunk it, or if you get a ton of overhelping, you can find someone outside for the perimeter, and hell, I mean, that's kind of how the game has turned out, everybody's just practicing threes now, so you're going to get a high quality look for most likely a very good shooter, so it works in his favor, I think with Gabriel Deck, most of the times when he's isolating, he's got a dude in a paint he already has to work with, and it's not like, you know, he's got his center right next to him, like I'm talking the centers are just completely disrespecting his teammate. So he's going up against two guys sometimes and still finishing things off. I love his touch. Not super duper athletic, but I think he gets the job done for us. And yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the basis of what I have seen. You know, I'm not expecting him to come in immediately and be a star or anything, but he's another one of these guys that could really carve out a role as a bench player. 
and it's kind of scary to say that like it's obviously a good thing like if I were to tell you we were going to get a solid bench piece two three seasons ago I would be screaming at the top of my lungs you know what a good bench player was back then Patrick Patterson that that's not a good bench player and I think all of us know that now but when we when we signed him out of Toronto everybody was going crazy and I think he hit the side of the backboard more than he actually made his threes so yeah I mean I guess not everything pans out but if I were to know we had a surefire bet in a bench spot I'd be jumping for joy I'd give up a, a pick just for that I know we would never do that now but I mean at the time when we were competing hell I'll give you a first round pick for us to get a good bench are you kidding me that was something we kind of struggled with uh for like you know five six seven years probably even longer than that if you want to look um even further but yeah I mean it's such a really good issue to be having like we have so many guys on the bench already and they're all young deck is going to be the fourth oldest member of the team whenever he suits up for for the um the franchise only people older Al Horford Mike Muscala they're inactive and then Kenrich Williams who's older by like a month or two so he's really already one of the the old heads and with Horford and Muscala likely gone after next year he might already be one of the leaders which is really wild but yeah I mean he's gonna come in pretty experienced and you'd assume he'd be a seasoned guy just like everybody else is so how does the minutes kind of get all chopped up you know he's able to play the three and the four there's a lot of guys who fall under that category Poku, Baisley, Roby, Williams the combinations are kind of endless there not to even mention Josh Hall who we'll see what happens to him in the future Jalen Hordes also a three and a four so it's very tight and I don't know how Mark Dagnall's going to kind of squeeze minutes out to give everybody equal looks but hey you know they signed him with a real intent and I'm going to just trust whatever process they go on how they're going to distribute those minutes hopefully they don't just completely screw somebody over and pull a young guy out of the rotation even though they've looked probably pretty damn solid for them but yeah I mean he's gonna come over and the expectation for when he's gonna join and play in his first game is a bit up in the air I would consider this more of a rumor than anything this was from Marcella Noguera and he he hinted or he said he could play April 23rd that's around the starting date you could see deck join the thunder for a game and that would be a game against the washington wizards when i see that i mean he's a pretty reliable source he actually works for espn he's a journalist for them so he has the credibility but if i, I need to know like he will play if you're gonna say he could play that's like he could play tomorrow you know for all we know we don't have any 100 percent clarification on it but we do know that deck's gonna be coming over soon and if we're looking at what Marcella Noguera says, April 23rd is really what you're looking at. As I'm recording this, this is the 12th. So you have got about 11 days before Deck could be arriving. And if he's going to play against the Wizards, there's only 10 regular season games left at that point. And I mean, hell, he'd be swimming in money for every single one of those appearances. And hey, Good on him, man. Just got off of a good deal with Real Madrid, and now he's getting even more money with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he's looking to build out a future 
in the NBA. So cannot be complaining about him. As I've talked about, I think he pieces very well at the roster. I think over the offseason or whenever we see Deck, I might go more in depth on kind of his game. I know if you want to hear a more extensive version, just check out the original signing episode. I talked about his game for about 15, 20 minutes. So yeah, I kind of kept this one brief, like 5, 10 minutes-ish. But yeah, so with that being said, that's going to do it for this episode. Tomorrow, I'll be doing a game preview probably be mocking up some more fun tidbits because this is one of those unique two-day break days obviously now that's going to come to a close tomorrow but it still kind of gives a little bit of room for creativity because there's not that game recap i am going to push out for you guys so be on the lookout for that i'll get it dropped as soon as i can tomorrow but other than that though guys that is going to wrap up today's episode i thank you all for listening And I will talk to you all next time. See ya.